Yo, what is going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NFL strategy show, showdown edition, Saints and Seahawks tonight, Monday night football to close out week seven. I'm Dave Lochran. With me, as always, Matt Gajeski at Matt underscore Gajeski on Twitter. You can follow me at Lafayette underscore D. And well, buckle your seat belts. Prepare for the ride, as Daryl Morey would say. Buckle in, fellas, because there's a lot to get to, Matt. This is one of those games where it can be fun. There's no doubt. And we've already dealt with a few of these this season. Hell, Cleveland and, and Denver just the other day had myriad injuries scattered across that Browns team. But now you've got a Saints squad that has people returning from IR, maybe returning from IR, not returning from IR, going on IR. I mean, there's so many injuries to a team that already had minimal weapons at best with Michael Thomas sidelined. Yeah, retiring. I mean, retiring. they're really really dealing with everything in New Orleans. But that's why we do the show. That's, That's why we have live before lock, especially with the players coming back from injured reserve. That's going to be very important. Just last week, we saw Jarvis Landry get activated midday. We didn't have that information for our show, but it came out live before lock, which is a super important feature on our on our broadcast channel. So make sure to catch that. But like you said, we're here to help you decipher all of these news and pieces of information to help you with your lineups. And that's what we'll do today. Hey, Matt, before we dive into this, right? We had 10 games yesterday. Well, 11, if you include the night game, which was just a slop fest. I mean, a beautiful disaster, so to speak. But what do you make right now of the Kansas City Chiefs? Just first impression, first thoughts after what you've seen, Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes after seven weeks. I don't think there's really many issues with the offense. And I know the three-point game yesterday, they just couldn't really get their like main players involved. And it, it sucks because the Titans do not have a good defense, at least heading into that. But like Byron Pringle led their team in receiving. I know Tyreek Hill came into the week banged up, but you still never really expect him to be held below 50 yards. Travis Kelsey, he wasn't very efficient either. But what it comes down to is they can't stop anybody on defense. So if they cannot overpower opponents with pure firepower, they're going to lose these games. And we've seen it happen to them multiple times this year already. I still think they make the playoffs, but they have a lot they need to get right. Got to say, though, man, it is crazy to think that Derrick Henry has really his worst game of the season statistically, and the Titans routed the Kansas City Chiefs. So you would think it would be the complete opposite of that, yet here we are. It's NFL football. Yeah, it, I, I like this Titans team. I think for the one of the very first times this year, we're seeing them play with all of their healthy skill position players. A.J. Brown coming off whatever the Chipotle fiasco was, 133 yards in a score for him. Looks like he's fully back. He's been hurt throughout the year. Julio played. He did not play well. He was on the injury report for most of the week, but they're finally getting healthy. So this Titans offense, I think, will be a lot stronger heading down the stretch. Hey, by the way, I think it's finally time to close the casket on Allen Robinson, Matt. I mean, what a shame. Let's go straight into St. Louis or St. Louis to the Saints. Long, long day. I think I think uh, my daughter now is experiencing sleep regression at like seven and a half months old, and she'll just wake up at 1 a.m. and not go back to sleep. It's, it's miserable, to say the least. So bear with me here. But um, when it comes to Justin Fields, I've never seen, and, and you might totally agree with this, right? I, I have no horse in this race. But I've never seen people run so much cover 
on Twitter for a player in my life. I mean, essentially with Justin Fields, every football mind out there is absolving, absolving him of everything. And, and I wish I, if AB was here, we could talk to him about this too. Maybe we will on Thursday, absolving him of everything and putting it all on Matt Nagy, which I don't necessarily think is wrong, but like, what do you make of Justin Fields through seven weeks? Because this guy has, I mean, first five turnover games since 2016 or 2019. Yeah, I think, like you said, I do not think the Bears are doing a good job maximizing his skill set. He was thrown into one of the worst situations in all of NFL, basically. Like yesterday, they had to move one of their guards who's like, a he might even be an undrafted free agent. Alex Bars went to Notre Dame. Like he's playing tackle for this team. So Fields is dealing with pressure. He's built a little bit different than a lot of quarterbacks where he can navigate some of that stuff. And I actually like Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney a little bit, but you're still not exactly talking about a fantastic supporting cast. With that said, like he needs to do a little bit more. All of these first round quarterbacks, for the most part, are thrown into the fire. The reason they're drafted early is because the teams that they're playing for are bad. That's how they got the high picks to begin with. And they're supposed to be elevating the offense. Fields hasn't done that whatsoever. Part of it's on the supporting cast. Part of it's on Nagy's poor play calling. They should be maximizing him more on the ground with his mobility, and they're not. But part of it's also on Fields. Five turnovers, those are largely individual decisions. Yeah, we'll see what happens. It sucks, though, because Allen Robinson, I mean, what a shame. Props to Khalil Herbert, though. The guy looks pretty good. I mean, I'd be worried if if I if season long leagues, if I own David Montgomery when he returns, that Khalil Herbert's going to start getting worked in too much. They're already talked about elevating him up the roster. So we'll see. But uh, Matt, any other takeaways from week seven that stood out to you that are fantasy relevant that we should be keeping our minds on? Just like Cooper Cup is 2019 <laughs> Michael Thomas. It's amazing. It is amazing. The dude just it won't stop. I, I, I haven't looked this up, but. My guess is that he, I swear he's been the wide receiver one in like five of seven weeks this year. It's crazy. It's it's nuts. It's absolutely crazy. He already has eclipsed 200 uh, PPR points on the season. It, it, what he's doing every week, you think, all right, this might be a good place to fade or come in underweight because of that price point. And maybe it's Robert Woods or Tyler Higby, And it never happens. There's... I, I I've been playing also Robert Woods like every single week. Yeah, me it's too, funny. Unfortunately, you say it. You say playing Robert Woods though. The one time Robert Woods gets there, it's on that that showdown like island slate. You know what I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah. So yeah. we haven't even been able to capitalize on that. But like Cooper Cup, I think at this point he's just somebody that you have to consider no matter what till he reaches like a 10k price tag, similar to Michael Thomas in that 2019 season. His volume is just too good. It's like Devonta Adams last year or Michael Thomas 2019. And he's been underpriced even at like 8,400, which was his price last week. And one last takeaway, like Robbie Anderson, man, 20 targets in the last two games, 41, or excuse me, 25 receiving yards. <laughs> like, is this, I don't think I've ever seen a stat line like that. Like he turned 20 targets into six catches for 25 yards over the last two weeks. It's, the opportunity is actually good. It's dreadful. It's like AJ Green last year to start off the season with with Joe Burrow when he was a rookie. Like that—that's what it reminds me of. It's it's heinous. Uh, and for what it's worth, the jury is no longer out on Jalen Hurts. The dude stinks, but uh, he is the garbage. <laughs> he does, Matt. He's not good. He's no, I no agree good. with you. I saw somebody on Twitter compare him to Blake Bortles that that one year <laughs> where remember he was like the QB five, but like yeah, 90 oh, dude. It is a perfect, perfect 
comparison. He he is inevitable in garbage time and he'll crush in garbage time like he did yesterday. I bet he was like the QB six this week again. He like I think he scored 75% of his points at the end of that game. Every week. I'm I'm looking up his point totals. He's the QB six again this week. He's the QB six and they got absolutely annihilated by the Las Vegas Raiders. Last week, last eight week, he was the QB six. They got crushed by Tampa. He hasn't scored fewer than 22 points in any individual game. He's been above 25 in four or six starts. I know. Four or seven, excuse me. It's crazy. And he's been so objectively bad. But I don't know. If you're trying to catch more from everything that happened in week seven, coming up at 11 o'clock Eastern, it's the recap show with Eric Lindquist and Adam Scher. They'll break everything down, fantasy cruncher lineup study, everything that happened this week, who won all the big tournaments, how they did it, what worked, what didn't. So hang out with them. And of course, right after this show, it's the NBA strategy show for tonight's slate. But Matt, let's talk about this. The New Orleans Saints, four-point favorites on the road. The A couple of things to point out here, right? First of all, projected to be a pretty low-scoring game, 41.5-point total. But the the few things that stand out to me, one, Michael Thomas just might not play. It's It honestly feels like Michael Thomas, we just might not see him this season. It's really unfortunate, but, and I could be wrong. Maybe he does return. Maybe he's back by like week 10, but he's not even practicing yet. And that sucks. Uh, another thing to consider, and we can kick it off with, with Alvin Kamara, is I don't know if people actually understand how big of a uh, new, or how big it is that Taysom Hill uh, is still out for this game, Matt, because he has as many goal line carries as Alvin Kamara this season. I'll take it a step further. Kamara has zero touchdowns inside the red zone, zero. And Taysom Hill has three. So getting him out of there means that Alvin Kamara is the clear guy, excludes the backfield, the, the red zone will be exclusively his until Taysom Hill returns. Huge deal, even though everyone's going to be on Kamara anyway. There's no doubt that Hill's absence makes a huge difference for him. It does, absolutely. And I agree with New Orleans' play calling around the end zone. Rather than use Jameis Winston and play 10 on 11 when you're running from the goal line, using Taysom Hill allows you to at least even out the numbers, play 11 on 11. So I don't necessarily even disagree with his usage. But to your point for tonight, Alvin Kamara is going to have a monster workload. In their most recent game, he was the only back that touched the ball. And now you're removing Taysom Hill from that equation elevating his touchdown upside from everything, our projections, our ownership projections. He's very much the guy you want to be looking at in the captain spot. And just from a perspective of what are our our alternatives, like Seattle playing Geno Smith, that removes Russell Wilson. We have Jameis, who's kind of been a neutered version of like the New Orleans quarterback recently because because of their run heavy nature, their slow offense, and Taysom Hill stealing some plays. So Kamara very much is like that locked in Lamar Jackson far and away Best play on the slate, but it does come with ownership too. Hey, uh, congratulations, Michael. Michael says, took down the 30K to first, 1 p.m. only yesterday. Always appreciate the content on these shows. Thanks, guys. And Usama. Yeah, I mean, my God, that dude. Again, Matt. (laughs) Usama, another huge game. Jamar Chase, 200 yards. I mean, that team is, is pretty wild right now. Yeah, they're just so much offensive firepower. T Higgins, 15 targets. It didn't even matter. Like Jamar Chase, he's just out there creating on his own. It's kind of ridiculous. People were, were questioning him as like the wide receiver one in the draft process and questioning him 
in the preseason, whether he was going to be able to catch the ball or not. All yeah. seems really silly right now. Cause yeah, I know I wanted to tweet about that yesterday pretty badly because of the drops, but I was also someone that said, I'd be careful drafting him in the fifth round or fourth round when he got pushed up to there. So I don't have much reason to speak. And it had nothing to do with those stupid drops in preseason. It was just rookie wide receiver, but Hey, uh, way wrong on that. The guy is legit. He's the M or he's the rookie of the year for sure right now. So ownership coming in on Kamara is 91%. Um, that's not that surprising at all. Top stat or top play probability is 58%. So the likelihood that he is going to be the top overall play on the slate is almost 60%. Uh, that he is going to be the optimal captain is 39.9%. Just across the board, Matt, you're getting these huge numbers from him, and it makes sense. On FanDuel, Alvin Kamara's ownership is coming in at um, 91.8% as well. So just pretty much everywhere you're getting a lot of Kamara, and you should be. Is there any merit at all to saying, you know what, I'm going to go crazy and fade this guy today because that'll be different and, and I, that'll show him? You can do that, but I think you're basically hoping for an injury. Like he's, he's coming in 90% out and we still have him with a positive leverage score. So I, it really does come down to what are the chances you think he gets hurt in the game? And is that enough to consider a fade? Because he's so likely to be in the optimal lineup, whether it's captain, whether it's utility, he's not a player that's worth fading unless you just have a huge bankroll. You can do some of these things and the, the hit won't hurt you. But Kamara, I think the interesting question becomes playing him in the captain versus the utility. That's, right. that's more the question today rather than do we play Kamara? Do we not play Kamara? He's easily the best player on the slate and it's not close. Yeah. So Ben asked uh, any other captain pivot off Kamara. Certainly we'll talk about that. No doubt. Uh, but it is, it is pretty crazy, Matt, that when you look at captain ownership, there are three guys getting, you know, any real ownership at captain. And then it falls off a cliff, which is pretty remarkable given that you have guys like Metcalf and Lockett on this slate. Granted, I understand that Geno Smith is, is quarterbacking and not Russell Wilson. That would change a lot. And Mar uh, Marshawn Lattimore should be back today. So all of that makes an impact, but yeah, th this is going to be a ton of Alvin Kamara captain spot. The one way to get different, I don't think would be to fade him, but more so to look elsewhere at captain. Is there anyone else on the Saints that you could say, you know what, I will captain him? Maybe a Jameis Winston uh, or a Marquez Callaway. Uh, Traquan Smith, of course, Matt, is returning or expected to return for this one. Meanwhile, you mentioned it at the top. Chris Hogan got hurt and then retired. And then uh, Deontay Harris is out. So the, Michael Thomas is, is apparently not close to returning. So it really is quite a, quite a mess uh, among these pass catchers. For, to your, answer your first question, I do think Jameis is a viable captain today. And it also comes down to Taysom Hill being hurt. He will take away a lot of those red zone attempts. And now you just might see New Orleans throw the ball a little bit more. And overall in the game, Winston playing a full complement of snaps, that is significant to his projection. If for whatever reason you see Seattle like get up in this game in New Orleans is forced to throw more with Winston, I think that's how you access the ceiling there. What it comes down to, Winston is still a quarterback for a very slow, methodical, run-heavy team, which is why we have the preference towards Kamara. That is reflected in captain ownership, regular ownership, but Winston could be a pivot off of him for that reason. When you start talking about the receivers, it's very, very dicey, and I am willing to captain some of them just because it's a low-volume offense overall. And if one of them has the two touchdown game in a low volume offense, 
you might see them eclipse a Jameis Winston score. Deciphering who that's going to be is now increasingly difficult. I think we can say pretty confidently that Marquez Callaway is going to run as the wide receiver one. But from there, whether it's Kenny Stills versus Traquan Smith expected to come back from injury, that's where we get a little bit more dicey. All right. So I was doing a little digging the other day, and you want to hear the most insane stat from an efficiency standpoint? Listen to this. So this is Jameis Winston's red zone efficiency this year, Matt. Okay. He's this is this was prior to week six. All right, because that would be that was prior to yesterday's games because they've already played a bye. So James 26th in red zone attempts and eighth in touchdowns. So he has nine red zone, touch nine red zone touchdowns on 15 attempts. Right. Uh, he has 87 percent completion percentage in the red zone and 100 percent inside the 10 where he is seven for seven with five touchdowns. So those numbers are stupid because Jameis Winston, from a volume standpoint, has been one of the lowest volume passers in the entire league this year. His pass attempts per game are 20, 22, 21, 23, and 30. Yet he has already thrown 12 touchdowns, nine of which came in the red zone, five inside the 10. So I don't know how long you anticipate this efficiency being held up for, but no one has been better in the red zone than Jameis. And basically no one is throwing the ball less in the red zone than Jameis. Yeah, it's crazy. I think a lot of their low volume comes down to game script overall. So they absolutely crushed the Packers playing well from ahead. So volume really low for him in that game, but he also threw five touchdowns speaking of your efficiency. The second game, they got crushed by Carolina uh, and to the point where they weren't even really trying to throw the ball from behind towards the end of that game. They, they did play like a weird overtime game against New, the New York Giants. And for to your point, Jameis only threw the ball 23 times in that game. I think, you again, you're accessing a Jameis ceiling if they get down to Seattle and they have to throw from behind. And when you're building your lineups for these showdown slates, you should always be considering what plays are correlated, what game script are you playing for, so if you do a Jameis captain lineup, I think you're playing with the idea that they're playing from behind. Maybe you use a Seattle running back as a, a correlated play as far as game script goes. But with Jameis in particular, you need to think about how he accesses his ceiling. And I do think it's if they're down. We got a super chat from, where are we? From Vance Hopper. How do I, and thanks, Vance, how do I learn to use y'all's tools? Is there a tutorial? This may be a dumb question. Not a dumb question whatsoever. Uh, a lot of these tools definitely have a learning curve. Here's what I'd say. If you're a premium sub, uh, first of all, join the Discord office hours. Those people, everyone, the, the pros in there are always willing to help you. But also, we do have tutorials uh, on how to use these tools on a lot of the pages for those tools. So check that out. Uh, or honestly, you can email uh, support at awesomeo.com. Uh, we want you to be able to use these tools and be confident in them. So uh, hop in the Discord, ask some questions in the premium Slack chat. Uh, any questions you have, and, and the community is good too. They'd be happy to help you out with this as well. So thanks, Vance. You didn't need a super chat. I would have answered that question anyway, but I uh, appreciate you. All right, so Matt, outside of Jameis and Kamara, are, are, are we targeting anyone as like, a great value or just somebody that we're going to want in our, a lot in our lineups. Cause Marcus Calloway started off the season dreadfully. He's looked better lately, but he's not exactly cheap either. So there's, I'm not sure there's any value that stands out as like electric, but 
my biggest question for you is simply how are you splitting up snaps and opportunities between someone like Kenny Stills and Traquan Smith, who's returning for the first time this year? I think Kenny Stills tentatively is going to run ahead of Traquan Smith. I think it comes down to Traquan Smith's just been on injured reserve. He hasn't played a snap yet this year. And I know he has been practicing. He practiced all week, but there is still a little bit of an acclimation to the NFL game. So I do not think it's going to be like 100% snap share for Traquan Smith out there. And because of that, Kenny Stills is a guy that already has been playing a lot for this team. Over 70% of the snaps last week. He's somebody I think that will have a slightly more secure role. Okay. And yes, Taysom is an awful vulture when it comes to touchdowns, but fortunately he is out. So we don't have to worry about that with anything. Uh, Matt, there's nothing worse than Taysom Hill showdown slates. I don't think we've had one yet this year. They're, they're they, brutal. They are the worst. He's always really way are. too expensive. He's like six K or higher. Yeah. You just can't play him based on the projection. Then he rushes in two scores. See, that's exactly what it is. It's not like you're getting him as just a touchdown vulture. You're also getting the backup quarterback pricing. It's horrible. Now, Adam Troutman has actually, I mean, the guy, I don't know how much you know about the Dayton Flyers, Matt. Probably, <laughs> a, probably a lot. It wouldn't surprise me. But he's played, his snap shows have been so weird. 82-52, 82-57, 86. So I still think you get a good amount of snaps from him this week. Uh, clearly more than a guy like Jawan Johnson. He ran 24 routes last game, which on this team is a lot, right? Because Winston's not dropping back very often. He's just been wildly inefficient with essentially any of the opportunities he's gotten. Now, last game, two for 43, that's fine. But um, he, he's been, it's been uneventful, no question. Is there, is there room to look at a guy like Adam Troutman today or a Jawan Johnson and just think, all right, maybe it'll be a Tommy Sweeney type game, or maybe one of these rogue players, these unknowns is going to come and score again, as we've seen almost every single primetime game this season. I think you can use Troutman with some relative confidence too. It comes from his price. He's just so cheap on this slate where we don't have a ton of really cheap options that I'm comfortable getting to him. We're talking about a guy that's below 2K in the flex spot on DraftKings specifically. That allows you to get up pretty high in, as far as just some of the studs on the slate. The only issue I have with Troutman down there is Kenny Stills is also there. And Troutman a lot of times is going to block. So with, with Kenny Stills being 200 cheaper, he's a guy I think I'm going to get to in low-risk contests like my cash games. Kenny Stills, in my opinion, will have the more consistent role. But Troutman for tournaments, I, mean, I think he makes a decent pivot down there. I think in some interesting constructions, you could play them both and get up to some of the expensive guys. But what it comes down to is because there's so many injuries on these Saints teams, we do have some punts that are viable that are going to be on the field for most of the snaps. And Troutman's one. I think Stills is, a, is another. Brandon says, man, you guys are getting close to being a 24-hour sports network. There's basically a show all the time. Love it. Yeah, there's a lot going on, Matt. There's a lot. I'm sure Jordan Klein producing today's show is thrilled about that. But – uh, no, in all seriousness, yeah, we're trying to get out as, as much content as we possibly can. But really, right now, it's football and basketball. But you still have, what, PGA going on and, and everything. I mean, dude, MMA, I think NASCAR is still happening for a few more weeks. Esports, we don't have shows for that, but we do have tools, ownership projections, you name it. Uh, if you want to get all of those tools, right, because we have this free content, it's always going to be free here on the site. 
If you just want the free YouTube content, totally understand it. Appreciate you hanging out. If you want to get access to the ownership and the player projections and the top stack tool, the boom bust tool, the lineup builder, the fantasy cruncher add-on, all of these tools outside of fantasy cruncher built by the number one ranked player out there, Osimo himself. Uh, you know him. You see him up at the top of leaderboards quite often. He's used these very tools that he built to win, well, millions of dollars. If you want to check him out and get into the premium Discord and hang out with a good community and ask the pros questions and better your game on top of that, use the promo code CURRY, C-U-R-R-Y, like the brother basketball players in the NBA. You've heard of them. CURRY, C-U-R-R-Y, all caps, awesomeo.com slash promos, get you 50% off your first week of Awesome O Plus Platinum. Again, not just football or basketball, every single sport on the site, all of the tools we have, 50% off for the week. And if you want to get the add-on for Fantasy Cruncher, you can do that as well. Uh, and if you have any questions about this, you can DM me at Lafayette underscore D. My DMs are open, but use this. Take advantage of it. Everything on the site, 50% off for the first week. All right, Matt. So, oh, and by the way, I, I didn't even welcome you guys into this show. It's been a long night. My apologies. Happy to have you with us. I'm sure you were you were beat up over the fact that I had not acknowledged everybody in chat. Appreciate you hanging out with us every morning, especially these early Monday mornings after staying up late on Sunday. Uh, we appreciate you for it. But hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. Let's get, at least get us to 50 here. Uh, and then subscribe if you haven't done so. We're over 63,000 subs thanks to you guys. But still, most people that watch these shows, probably half actually, are not subscribed. If you want to subscribe, that'd be great. If not, that's okay. We'll still be here for you to watch every day. All right, Matt, what else are we doing with New Orleans? I think you can look at, so the guys in the depths, we always got to talk about these guys. We expect to see some snaps, mainly for GPPs that, you know, we need to talk about mainly for large field tournaments. And I think there's a few interesting ones here. Who is going to come in and try to spell Alvin Kamara at any point in the game? Is there somebody that does? because he's handled an absurd workload, like the biggest workload of his entire career. Yeah. So I, I think you could look at some backup running backs. The guy worth mentioning is Divine Ogzigbo. He's not going to play a ton, I think, but he'll be on the field. For pass catchers, we, we talked about Juwan Johnson a little bit as kind of that backup tight end there. But another player I want to mention is Ty Montgomery, the former like running back wide receiver hybrid. He played nearly half the snaps last week, and I think it'll be a little bit lower because Traquan Smith is expected to come back. And he wasn't really used on those snaps, but he is a guy that will be on the field some of the time. And because of the gadget nature to his game, I think he could be scripted into some of those plays. I wouldn't be entirely surprised if he's used like a little bit in the Taysom Hill role because he has that running back background, but he's on the field. So we need to talk about him. Yeah. By the way, Alvin Kamara, Matt, and I'm glad you just mentioned the workload. He is on pace for 320 carries this year. That's a lot. And, and, and let me add that even if you were to take away, even if you were to take away the 17th game, he's still on pace for 300 carries. This is a guy who has never in his career had more than has never even had 200 carries. It's truly ridiculous. And like Alvin Kamara, I don't think we can really – He's been so, so good in his entire career. I saw a stat the other day, just like on how good he's been. He's only missed two games in his career. He has 1,100 touches. He's only fumbled seven times. He's played over 5,000 snaps. He's only had three penalties. Like the guy's just unbelievable. So it's cool to see him in a larger workload. I really hope he holds up injury-wise. But to your 
to your credit and what you just said, that that's why he's such a good captain. Like the For workload sure. as crazy as it is, that's why he's 90% owned. And that's why we still have him with a positive leverage score. No doubt about it. And if you remove that anomalous Carolina game where he just like wasn't used and they were down early, he's seen, this is how many looks he's seen per game. Just to, just to, to, to hammer this home. Not that I need to, but 24, 28, 26, 24. Th- those are elite numbers. That's not Derrick Henry quite yet, but like you're very close. You're nearing Derrick Henry volume territory with Alvin Kamara. Uh, you'd love them to get more pass catching work, but at this point it doesn't matter. That's why, you know, I just don't get cute. All I know, Matt, is people who got cute last time Kamara was on a primetime regular season slate and decided not to captain and missed a six touchdown performance on Christmas <laughs> day. So Yeah. I'm getting right back there today. No shame in doing so. And I don't care if he's popular. You shouldn't either. He's just that good. When you're getting that much volume, you you essentially can. Well, you know what, Matt? Just from a game theory standpoint, you can be different elsewhere. There's so many ways to be different elsewhere. I'm not saying you have to captain him in every single lineup, of course, but there are ways to get different elsewhere. It doesn't need to be with the best player on the slate by a mile. I agree. And like one really interesting thing this team did in week five, they had their bye last week. So they they used Alex Arma a lot. And just as a fullback, like we've seen the Patriots do this at times, instead of using like one of these practice squad backs who hasn't been with the team, they don't really have a lot of faith in, they'll just use their fullback a little bit more. And obviously you don't want to really consider the fullback on this slate, but that's just another little tidbit pointing towards Alvin Kamara's major workload. To your point on getting different elsewhere, I think the Saints using four wide receivers, which we're expecting to today with the return of Traquan Smith helps because we don't know where that's going to go. So Callaway, Montgomery, Traquan himself, Kenny Stills, all of them viable. We talked a lot about the tight ends, Troutman already. Juwan Johnson doesn't play a lot of snaps, but when he's out there, he's playing a very, very specific role. He's the big move tight end. In college, he played wide receiver. He's not a blocker whatsoever. So even last week, only 10% of the snaps, but was targeted immediately on one of those. So when he's out there, expect a role for him. I Garrett Griffin, I think their other tight end, I wouldn't get cute with him. He hasn't seen the target all year. He's purely a blocker. But I think that's just about everybody that's going to see snaps for New Orleans. Dude, you you always with the thorough breakdowns, man. These Everybody appreciates it. One last question here. If oh, I'm going to sneeze. <coughs> Excuse me. Couldn't even mute myself. If um, if Ty Montgomery's out there 20, 30 percent of snaps per game, he's played 50 and 45 over the last two games and is just largely uninvolved. What exactly is he doing? Because he has ran six. He's ran 61 routes on the season. It's not like he's not running routes. He's fifth on the team routes. He's essentially tied with Deontay Harris. So like, what is he doing when he's out there? Yeah, he's, he's like our uh, marquee wind sprinter this year. He has to be. And the Saints have, have played with a wind sprinter a lot. Usually it's because Michael Thomas is handling so many snaps, but he just has been bad. And that's why I think he's fourth in the pecking order. I think Traquan Smith, assuming he can play even like half of the snaps, he should cut Ty Montgomery down to like 20 30%. But Montgomery, because of like the gadget stuff he can do, I think he still does play a role. It'll be small, but for tournaments, he's somebody you can look to. I, I think you're 100% right. And he's shifty enough to where maybe you get a big catch and run out of him. We'll see, Matt. We'll see. All right, let's talk about Seattle. 
Before we do, though, shout out to our sponsor, No House Advantage. If you haven't checked them out yet, well, a couple of reasons that you should. And I'll keep this simple because it doesn't need to be intense. All of the tools that you need to win at No House Advantage are at awesomeo.com and they're entirely free. Okay. It's a peer to peer player prop platform. You're building lineups without salary, just straight player props, the overs or unders. Simple format, very cool format. But even better is the ones that you feel the most confident in, just as you would pay more for a LeBron James than you would for a, a Kyle Corver, unless it's on DraftKings last year, then you wouldn't because Corver was like 10K one day. Uh, but just as you would do that, the props that you feel most confident, you put at the top of your lineup, they're rewarded the most points. Vice versa, the ones that you're least confident in go at the bottom, they get the fewest amount of points. So less risk, um, more risk on the ones that you like, but they're also going to get you, net you a lot more points. What, what, what we have in this tournament formats there, right? You, you can MM, you can multi-entry and all of that stuff, but it's 100% peer-to-peer, layers the, levels the playing field. They offer over 500 player props. You get $25 when you sign up using the promo code AWESEMO, A-W-E-S-E-M-O. But again, the player prop tool for No House Advantage, totally free every day of the week at AWESEMO. The optimal lineups tool, for uh, No House Advantage at Osmo, totally free every day of the week. You don't need to do anything or even sign up. You can use that in conjunction with these picture making. Uh, and these, these props are static. Unlike a lot of these other sites and apps that are changing them and updating them as they go, No House Advantage posts them. If they change, if an injury happens throughout the day to another player and it influences the other guy, those props do not change. So yeah, there's an edge here. There's an advantage to be had if you're willing to take a few minutes and look over these props and put the work in and really just use the research and knowledge that you're using to play on other sites. So it's an awesome site to build your bankroll. You'll get $25 when you sign up and deposit using the promo code AWESEMO, A-W-E-S-E-M-O, and you'll have all of the free tools to be successful over at awesomeo.com. So check it out, nohouseadvantage.com or download it in the App Store or the Google Play Store. All right, Matt, let's talk Seahawks. No Russ Wilson, Geno Smith starting here. What are you expecting out of him tonight at home? Four-point dog against the Saints. Man, I hope it's better than what we saw last week. That's all I can say. And Yeah, not good. Not good at all. I think with Geno Smith, another week just to play with the first-team offense, there is optimism. And, I mean, sometimes it just comes down to he's playing with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Let's not get cute. Let's simplify the offense and try to give these guys chances. Maybe it's just for yards after catch or using motions and things ahead of the play call behind the line of scrimmage before they even snap the ball, where we can get these guys in play with the ball in their hands and kind of take the pressure off Geno Smith. They didn't do that in their first game. So I'm hoping they can, what it comes down to is there's pretty good weapons in Seattle. So Geno Smith could kind of backdoor his way into a positive performance on the backs of his very strong skill position players. So he is still certainly in the player pool. He has a positive leverage score tonight. And that a lot of that comes down to, he's just not very owned for a quarterback. And we typically do not see that on these slates. Quarterbacks generally are the highest owned captains. They're some of the highest owned players. But after that horrific performance from Geno Smith, he's coming in pretty unowned for a QB. You know, I forgot to ask you, and I should probably circle back real quick. What about the Saints defense? I think the Saints defense are, are pretty viable today. Seattle's offensive line doesn't scare you. Geno Smith certainly doesn't scare you. And getting back Marshawn Lattimore is a very big piece for them. So I like their pass rush. They're very complete defense overall. Getting Lattimore back is key. Low total game, which I think is a very important component for targeting defenses and kickers. We have a very low total here. So whatever team is up and playing from ahead, 
a lot of opportunities for pass rush sacks, fumbles, turnovers, hopefully a defensive score. Man, the Saints defense has been a they've been ball hawks, though. I mean, they have they have the fifth most interceptions on the season, Matt, and they've played two fewer games than all of the teams that are ahead of them. So this do you remember the Saints defense? I know you do. You remember the Saints defense that even for people that play season long, the Saints defense was winning them leagues that one year where they just everyone expected them. I know you you know what I'm talking. I saw you nod your head. They, They all expected them to be bad. And they were having, they averaged like a defensive touchdown per game. Yeah. They, I remember that season very well. And it was like five years ago, something around there. Right. Yeah. They, I would say still have some of the same pieces. Not, not all of them. Like Cam Jordan stands out. He's, he's aging now, but I mean, they have some really good pieces on this defense overall. And even in their defensive backfield, they have so many awesome players on top of Lattimore. Like they, they drafted Paulson Adebo out of Stanford. He's a guy that's played really well. They have PJ Williams, who's kind of been like a turnstile in the slot at times. But one thing I really like that they do is they have three big safeties. And we see some teams do this at times where instead of playing a nickel corner, they'll play a nickel safety. So like Chauncey Gardner Johnson, that big safety out of Florida, he's really good at like manning up tight ends and backs out of the backfield. And he gives them a lot of variability in their player personnel packages on the back end, which is something that a lot of teams don't have but the Saints do because they're so deep at safety and corner. You know what I just realized? The, the Seahawks have played now three straight primetime games. I mean, I, it, it kind of makes sense. I feel like you should prioritize good teams on, on primetime games. It's very unfortunate we don't have Russell Wilson for it, but I, I feel like we see this with some teams. Maybe not three in a row, but, I mean, we certainly get preferences towards the good teams on primetime. I guess so. I mean, yeah, I, I, apparently we do. I, I just three in a row seems like a lot. I agree. I didn't realize that. No, me neither. You know, Geno Smith wasn't, he was only pressured on 11 of 37 dropbacks last game. So it's not like he was destroyed in that respect. It, I, I guess the thing here is like how worried he was, but he was sacked. I think he was sacked five times, Matt. So kind of a yeah. mixed, a mixed bag there. I know we've talked about that before, like sacks. A lot of people put it on the offensive line. A lot of it is on the quarterback. You have chances to scramble, throw the ball away. If you're taking five sacks on that amount of pressure, that is on Geno Smith. Yeah. On 29% of dropbacks, he was pressured. And then he was, he was sacked five times. That is, you're right. That's absolutely on him. So if we're, if we're trying to, to look at, okay, Geno Smith is not very good. I mean, he's not the most turn turnover prone guy out there. You can't make a pass like Wentz did in his at the ten yard line yesterday and get away with that shit. That was unbelievable. Did you see that interception by Wentz? Yes, unreal. The shuffle hey, pass you're talking about. Oh yeah, just unreal. I, listen, I want Wentz to play well because I want that pick. Right now, the Eagles are legitimately looking at, and sorry, I'm all over the place today, but the Eagles are legitimately looking at a top five pick for the Dolphins. Okay. And possibly a top five to eight pick of their own. And then if Wentz continues to play well, they're going to have three first round picks, potentially two in the top five or 10. That would be massive for Howie Roseman to screw up. He will, but I'll be excited at least until it happens. Yeah, you watch. He's going to take a QB in the worst QB class since the EJ Manuel Geno Smith class. (laughs) Is it that bad? I mean, all I hear about is how terrible. Is it that bad? It's bad, man. It's bad. 
Ready? Here, here's a hot take, man. Can it be any worse than this year? <laughs> Dude, I kidding. think so. Like the presumed number one picks already gotten benched. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Everybody's talking Spencer Atley, the kid out of Oklahoma, is going to be the number uh, one pick. He's been benched. So I, okay. you know. But, you know, is the fact, though, that this season you've got like Lawrence struggling, Zach Wilson struggling. Mac Jones has looked all right, but I, he was the last one to go of all of the big name players, right? Uh, Justin Fields struggling. There's someone else that probably I can't even remember who it is, but I mean, Trey Lance, he's just been hurt. Trey, yeah, Trey Lance, not, yeah, not out. Davis Mills, I mean, oh, I don't know. It's been pretty rough. But it's still early, it's still early. People just assume these guys are going to be amazing out of the gate, and that's not always how it works. We get spoiled with good players, with good rookies, Matt, and we forget that some of them take time to develop. Yeah, I mean, like, even Joe Burrow took a little bit of lumps. He was pretty good as a rookie, but it, was, it wasn't all roses. It's a little bit up and down, and now he's developed into an amazing star. But a lot of what you see, I think, is some of these guys – that struggle early, you got to put the right players around him. Like Josh Allen really struggled early in his career. They trade for digs. They, they bring in John Brown and now Emmanuel Sanders surround him with really good weapons. And a lot of the rookies just flat out don't have that right now. Putting you on the spot. Do you think any of this year's rookies are frauds? Quarterbacks? Yeah. I'm not a big Trey Lance guy. I understand. Oh, why wow. I did not expect you to say Trey Lance on this. Okay. I mean, Trey Lance, he, we, this is probably a discussion for another day. He barely had 500 career attempts at an FCS school where he didn't pass the ball well whatsoever. He, I understand he's the modern day quarterback. You want these guys that are mobile. Like I'd rather have Trey Lance than Mac Jones, but like, what is the ceiling on this guy? Unless Shanahan can develop him, which is hundred percent what they're banking on. Like, I just don't see it. Didn't he go to the same school as Wentz? He sure did. And red flag. What? I know the, what and Easton stick like these FCS quarterbacks, like, come on, man. Easton stick. What I, I Davis, you, I see in the chat, Davis Mills is a fraud. Like Davis Mills only had what nine starts at Stanford. He got drafted because he was the number one recruit in the country. And then it just never panned out. He's uh that was like an egregious pick by them that they should have just complete, like even trading the pick would have been better than taking Davis Mills. <laughs> Yeah, at this point, sure. Terod Taylor looked good, too. I was, I swear, if, if Terod Taylor was healthy, this team would actually not be near. They wouldn't have been 20-point dogs yesterday, I'll tell you that much. I live bet that I live bet Arizona at minus 22 at one point. That's just how bad Houston is. That's funny. Uh, yeah, Matt, all right. So let's look at, let's look at the rest of this team, the pass catchers here. Uh, and then we will, of course, turn it over to the NBA strategy show. Stick around for that one. I think it's Eric and, and, or I'm sorry, Adam and Josh. When it comes to Lockett and it comes to Metcalf, here's where I think this gets to be a really interesting slate. Tell me if you agree or disagree. Okay. This is where things get weird. Because if Lockett and Metcalf are really only going to have combined 12% ownership in the captain spot, okay, that is to me a massive, massive leverage spot on guys that are just good enough to make a bad quarterback at least competent in the sense that DK Metcalf, huge catch radius, very much capable of hauling in tough balls in tough coverage in the end zone. I mean, if they're really each going to be like 6% in the captain spot on a showdown slate where you only have one game, 
I have to get some of them into my captain spot, whether I like Geno Smith or not, whether Marshawn Lattimore is back or not. We've seen DK Metcalf eat up guys like Jalen Ramsey and great corners. I, I, I just, it's too juicy for me to get away from if they're really going to be that overlooked. I agree with you 100%. That's actually borne out in our tools too. The optimal captain percentage for both of them is higher than their projected ownership. They both have pretty significant positive leverage scores. And I think there's two reasons you could still look to a Seattle pass catcher in the captain spot. One, like Geno Smith, again, what does he really have to do for these guys to have a good game? I think all he has to do is put the ball in their hands, and they're so athletic and dynamic that Geno Smith doesn't have to be the engine of the offense, like creating these, these downfield plays and stuff. I think a lot of it could come down to you try to just get the ball in their hands quickly and move the ball. And another thing is the low scoring environment of this game overall with a 41 and a half point total. If one of them scores one or two touchdowns and we're not expecting a lot of offensive production on both sides, that by default could simply be the highest cap and score. And all it would really take is just touchdown variance. So very much in line with you. I like DK Metcalf and Lockett as captains. I will be playing a lot of them. No doubt. And you know, just to point this out, and, and, and I say this because it's a good talking point. First of all, Nolan Kelly, our, our guy, director of content here, that guy's always putting in work. I swear, 20-hour days for him. He's going to lose his mind at some point. I can't believe so, he's in the chat. So I, know, I, I don't know how he makes time for it. Says he was probably just making sure that I was actually on a show and not lying to him because I said I couldn't join a call. Uh, <laughs> He says, Matt's hatred of Lance is so pure. Yeah, I didn't even know you didn't like Lance. But uh, under pressure says, and in all caps, might I add, Lockett is going to be, Lockett is going to do better. And then he said, Lattimore is going to be guarding Metcalf. I have to do this as he's saying it. And then he went into lowercase and said, if Lattimore can shut down Mike Evans, he can shut down Metcalf too, in my opinion. So the thing for me, Matt, is first of all, those are two different situations. And Mike Evans has been shut down by by good corners quite a bit. I love Mike Evans. I do. Three touchdown game yesterday. But like I said, Metcalf just torched Ramsey in prime time. And for me, this is how I see it. Are both of those guys viable? 100%. But is Metcalf the type of guy that I think can do better with a lesser skill at quarterback, just given the overall size and strength and athleticism, whereas Tyler Lockett oftentimes relies on deep balls to make those big plays? Yeah, and that is something I consider here when it's like, which one of these guys can take a bad ball and turn it into a touchdown? Both of them, but I think Lockett might actually, or Metcalf might have an easier time doing that. I agree with you. I think it comes down to just the player that he is. You can get him on run after catch kind of plays as well. I don't think he gets, I guess, knocked a little bit because they kind of view him as just a downfield threat, like a straight line guy. I don't really think he's been that. And I think you can use him a lot in the screen game in the underneath game as well. And because he's so big with that tackle breaking ability, I, I would give him a slight edge over Lockett too, but it, it comes down to it being very close. I like also for Seattle that it's so narrow in the target distribution. It's basically Lockett, Metcalf, and they don't use a lot of other players, at least in some sort of voluminous role. Like if a Gerald Everett or a Freddie Swain gets there, it would have to be off a big play, I think, or a touchdown. All right. Gotcha. And yeah, you're right about like Metcalf. I don't know. I just see him as someone that's very capable of if, if you don't try and get Metcalf involved everywhere on a day like this with Geno Smith, the quarterback, I think you're, you're doing it wrong. Um, Matt, what about some of these peripheral options in the passing game? Sorry. And then we'll talk about running backs. 
Yeah, for sure. I, I was going to say, I think you need to get Metcalf and Lockett more involved because the run game is such a disaster right now. But for the peripheral pass catchers, because Dwayne Askridge has, the, I guess it's one of like the most severe concussions that we've seen recently. He hasn't played at all this year, barely. Freddie Swain is the clear wide receiver three in this offense. It has not led to a lot of targets or volume, and we've seen that historically out of the Seattle pass catchers. But big plays can come for these kind of players. Swain is not very expensive on this slate. He's a filler that I, I think you can get to for sure. In the tight end game, Gerald Everett, he is splitting time nearly 50-50 with Will Disley, but Everett is the clear pass-catching tight end there. I'm definitely comfortable getting to him at a cheap price. Penny Hart is really, really cheap. Seattle will use a wide receiver four on like 20 to 25% of their snaps. Hart is even less involved than a guy like Swain, but he is out there about a quarter of the snaps, so he must be considered on big showdown slates, particularly in the large field tournaments because of that role. All right, so are there any priority value options for the pass catchers for you for Seattle that you're fitting into expensive lineups that you just say, listen, I mean, I don't love them, but these guys could be great, whether it's price point, whether it's just overall lineup fit, uh, structure fit, fit in the lineup, or whether it's just the fact that they're, they're not getting any ownership. Yeah, so just considering price, like Freddie Swain at 2K is really cheap, really, really cheap for the wide receiver three in this offense. And because of that, I don't think you need to consider Penny Hart, Gerald Everett in low risk contests because you have Swain at such a cheap price point. In tournaments, it gets a little more interesting because I do think Swain is going to be the most owned out of that group. He just has a wildly consistent role for a guy that's 2K. He's the preference for me. And then in tournaments, I think you can make some pivots off of him because there are lower owned options. Hit that thumbs up. Almost at 100, fellas. Almost there. We're at 97 likes. Appreciate you. Almost 400 people watching. During basketball season, it always makes me happy, Matt, to know that we still got people chilling with us early on a Monday morning for a single game showdown slate. Yeah, thank you guys for coming and watching us. It's early. Appreciate you all. I, I saw some people in the chat saying they were watching at work. It means a lot. It does. I mean, listen, there is no better way to show your form of dedication to Osmo than to get fired on the spot for watching our streams. <laughs> Hopefully that doesn't happen to anybody, but thank you. <laughs> I, 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 it's, it's just real. It's pure dedication and I love you for it. No, don't get fired. Don't get fired. Maybe get reprimanded, written up any of that stuff, but don't get fired. I mean, I know we're important to you and, and that means a lot to us, like Matt said, but but some things are more important, like feeding your family and putting a roof over their head. But hey, you can't feed your family if you're not winning money playing DFS, Matt. All right. Uh, Seattle defense, Seattle kickers. No, I'm sorry. Running backs here. Running backs, because we got to get out of here soon. Alex Collins. Ugh. All right. So uh, this guy has been around the block a couple times in the NFL. In Baltimore, he had a pretty decent workload a few years back with, with Gus Edwards split. And now he's coming off a 20-carry, 100-yard game against Pittsburgh uh, and looks good and is ready to play Monday night against the New Orleans Saints. But Rashad Penny is also expected back. Granted, he will be hurt after his second snap. That is pretty much a lock. And Chris Carson's on the IR. What are we doing with the backfield here? I think it's going to be a share between Penny and Alex Collins. Alex Collins was relatively efficient when he was out there. He basically like ran laps around DJ Dallas, who continues to be the least efficient backup maybe in the NFL. So I think he's immediately going to play ahead of DJ Dallas. 
And I do think this becomes closer to a 50-50 committee. Alex Collins is not a pass catcher whatsoever. And that's not to say like Rashad Penny is a phenomenal pass catcher by any means, but I do think he's better than Alex Collins and could be used in that role. But ultimately I'm expecting a committee between Collins and Rashad Penny, DJ Dallas and Travis Homer. These guys are just two of the least efficient backs in the league. And we've seen DJ Dallas already been kind of siphoned out of this offense. All right. Anybody else you want to hit on for Seattle, whether it's kicker defense, anybody else here? Uh, before we get to our, our lineup build and then our best bets of the day. Yeah, you can always play kickers. Uh, Seattle is a significantly worse defense than New Orleans. So if you're just splitting hairs between the two, I would pick New Orleans. But it's, again, a really low scoring game environment. So I'm getting a little more defenses than normal, a little more kickers. I'm not taking a stand on them, but I think you just want to be somewhat in line with the field. Don't force it. If you get them in like your 150 builds, or you're playing multiple lineups. I think you just take it. In lower risk contests today, cash games, more than fine getting kickers on games with like 43 or lower totals. I usually have one. We got free content on the site today, fellas. Wow. Oh, showdown top plays tool. This is an amazing tool. Matt and I talk about it all the time. It gives you the probability that they're the top scorer, uh, that they're the optimal captain, all of that for FanDuel and for DraftKings, you name it, all of that great stuff, what their leverage score is, all of the ownership included as well on that too. So really you're getting uh, two for one there. Take advantage of that. It's under top stacks or under showdown tools under the NFL tab. NBA player projections are free and NHL player rankings all free today on Monday the 25th. So if you're not a premium sub, check it out. You want to be a premium sub, half off your first week of Awesome Plus Platinum. Use that promo code CURRY at awesome.com slash promos. You ready to build a lineup, Matt? Let's do it. Let's make it happen. All right. Um, you know what? I'll go, I'll go first this time since usually we, uh, we do things the opposite way. It, it, it's obvious that DK Mac, or that, that Alvin Kamara is the captain that we're all want to get to. So let's do something different. Large field tournaments. Let me throw DK Metcalf in there. Love it. Uh, that's actually where I wanted to go to. So we're cool. in lockstep there. And then let's just throw in Kamara because we don't want to fade him. We, we need him in some capacity. So Kamara flex. Perfect. Uh, and yes, the, the Brandon says I work at Walmart. So I just blast your show over the intercom. Well, and that, <laughs> that if next time you, if you ever do that, please take video of it. I will, I will put that everywhere. And uh, huge beats it lives on the West coast. Set my alarm to be here. Dedication brother. All right. Uh, Alvin Kamara. So we're down. All right. So let, here's what I'm going to do, Matt. I'm going to go down a little bit to find somebody that's cheap enough. And you know what? I'm going Ty Montgomery here. Why not? It's either him or like an Adam Troutman who's getting a lot of routes, but just isn't doing much with him. I think he's fine, but I'll go Ty Montgomery. All right. We'll complete the stack with the Geno Smith. All right. I dig it. 6,000 left. Not bad. Not bad at all. You think I... Could we get Marquez Callaway in there or do we even want to? We could get uh, him in there. Like Freddie Swain is so cheap too. And he's, he's some, I, I don't know if that would right. work, but does that work? Uh, yeah, it does. It does. Yes, it we does. We could even get Lockett. Yeah, you could. You could. And leave a, and leave a thousand on the table. I kind of like that actually. Let's go with Lockett there. Yeah. So, that's that's pretty sweet. Just assume that Kamara does all of the heavy lifting, right? And then, yeah. boom. All right, I love it. Matt, we'll close it out with this because Jordan Klein's got another show to do, and I respect our man, Jordan Klein, behind the booth today. Favorite bet of the day, go to oddshopper.com, shop NFL, 
easiest way, seriously, to find bets, sort by expected win rate, by expected ROI, all of this stuff. It's really the easiest. I use it every day to find great bets on there. And I think there's some great ones for tonight. But I will say, Matt, earlier the week, I said I'm hitting Alvin Kamara over 76 and a half rushing yards. It's up to 91 and a half. So uh, I'm on that, but not 91 and a half. What are you doing today? Favorite bet up for uh, tonight's Monday Night Football showdown? Tyler Lockett over three and a half receptions. You got to lay some juice, but it comes with a 70% win percentage on Odd Shopper. For reference, like Gerald Everett at one and a half is a 66% win percentage, but that has 172 juice. So you're just getting significantly better value on the Lockett over. I love it. I'm going Jameis Winston under 17 and a half uh, receptions or completions. He's only had, he's done, he's gone under that every game this year. Geno Smith is not a good uh, quarterback. I don't see them needing the pressure at all or force the football downfield. It's going to be the Alvin Kamara show. Give me under 17 and a half completions for the sixth straight game for Jameis Winston. That'll do it for us, guys. Appreciate you. Hit that thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel on your way out. Say thanks to our boy, Jordan Klein, and we'll catch you back here next time on the Awesome O Strategy Show, Showdown Edition. <laughs> Whatever. Follow Matt at Matt underscore Gajeski, myself at Lafayette underscore D. Peace.